Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. And so, you guys ready to get in the Word? One second. I have to give you a life update first, okay? And so, uh, about a month ago, my, my beautiful wife and I, we had a baby, another baby. And so... That is uh, Alora Bloom. I'm a Toronto. Um, it's funny when she was first born. You know, everyone was like, "Hey, she looks like your daughter." I'm like, "No, no, no, she looks like me." And so, when you see her in person, she's got a very sweet temperament, kind of quiet, but then very serious too. I can relate to her in in a lot of ways. So it's it's beautiful. Now, you guys ready to get into God's word, man, man? So. Um, so we had a Laura about a month ago, a week after, man, something crazy happened, right? So, you know, when you hurt yourself, you want to have a good story behind it. You know what I'm saying? So here's my good story. So I'm in my backyard and I'm just casually walking around with my daughter. There's a divot in my backyard. I did not see it. Yes, I wore glasses, but I missed it. Man, I twisted the ankle so fast and I've twisted my ankle many times in sports I'm not claiming to be athletic. I'm just claiming that it's happened a lot during sports. And, man, I'm telling you guys, like, the tears, I had to hold back those tears because I was like, oh, this is terrible. And so I go to the hospital. My ankle is the size of an orange. And so the good news was I didn't break it. The bad news was is I fractured a little tip off of it. And so go home with the boot on, you know, pretty, pretty glorious. And so I get home. and I'm like, you know what? Be positive. You know, like, have hope. You got this right. And, man, it was rough, though, like the first week. Like, I started, like, just getting so inward in my thinking where I was like, gosh, like, I, this is so painful. This is so hard. This is so frustrating. I want to help my wife. I had to convince my wife, my babe, like, I promise I'm not trying to get out of the newborn stage of the okay. Like, I, it's not like that. I don't want this right now. But what I started realizing is that my limp got to a point where I was just so frustrated by it that all my thoughts were actually going towards myself. When am I going to get better? When is this going to get easier, right? I mean, when you got a fractured ankle, getting up from the couch and getting a drink of water, that takes some sacrifice. That takes some work. And so I'm like, I don't, is this worth it? Like, middle of the night, you know, like, we're, like, we have a loft, and so we have to go downstairs to the bathroom. I'm like, is it worth getting up to go in the restroom right now? Nope. <laughs> 7 a.m., baby. I'm waiting, right? Just keeping it real. And so there was a limp, right? And I started realizing this limp just led to me just thinking about myself. Maybe you don't have a physical limp today, but you know what it's like just to have a limp in your life. And it's frustrating, you know. Someone told me a long time ago that uh, fractures can actually hurt more than breaks. I, I have a story now. I can testify to that. And maybe there aren't some big broken areas of your life, but there's just a limp. And it hasn't taken you out, but it's just, it's frustrating. It's annoying. Maybe that limp's been there for a very long time. Maybe you don't even really even see the limp anymore. It's just part of your life now. You're just, and you're limping from thing to thing. And what's so debilitating about a limp is that you can become just about yourself and your thinking. And, and, and we never intended to be that way, but it can happen that way, can't it? And so what starts to happen is there starts to be holes in our lives and where, man, we try to fill those holes with other things. Some of us, we might be dealing with the limp of fear where, man, we don't know what's going to happen today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we're just walking, limping in anxiety, limping in fear. It's like just the thought of what tomorrow brings, it's just, 
it's just destructive. It, it, it's devastating. But some of us, we might be limping with shame today. And I heard it said this, is that guilt is doing something wrong, but shame is believing that you're the wrong thing. That like, there's something like, no matter what you do, no matter how you position it, right? I'm just, I'm the problem. I'm always going to be the problem. And it's, 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 so, it's so hard to walk with shame because God has called us to a free life. God's called us to a life where we're not limping with shame, but we are just walking in the authority, the confidence that God has given us because we don't need to prove ourselves, right? The Father proved that through His Son, Jesus, what He did for us on the cross. Most have a limp of shame. Some of us, we might even have a limp of emptiness, meaning that everything on paper looks good, right? People are like, congratulations, man you, man, you must love your life. You just got that promotion. Man, your family life is like, it, it looks amazing. And all those things might be true, but there's just this slow death inside of you. It's just emptiness. It's like, I can't put my finger on it, but I'm limped. I'm just, I'm just, you can't figure it out. Those are all limps. And Again, what can be so hard about a limp is that if we make it about ourselves, then we're going to start to fill those limps through ourselves and not through God. And if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, is that sin will always lead to an empty consumerism. Man, this, uh, this, this is going to fix the limp. This is going to fix the limp. And it doesn't because it's, it's empty consumerism. God can't give you happiness um, without him because it doesn't exist. God wants your best life, but God knows that your best life is through him. And that's scriptural. You look at uh, Colossians where it says that God made everything by him and for him. We are meant to worship God. Our lives are meant to give glory to the Father. And how many of you know that when we give our lives uh, fully to the Father, then that's where the fulfillment comes in. And so we got to get, we got to get the attention off of ourselves. We got, there might be a limp, but God wants our attention on him because that's how God heals limp. Are you guys with me so far? And so what we, what I want to talk about today is a limp that we often don't think about. And I think if we're being honest with ourselves, myself included, we don't see this as a limp. It's something where we might even see in our culture where it's like, you know what, if you have this, great. If you don't, it's fine. But I want to talk about today the limp of lacking community. And we often don't think about that, right? Well, I'm not gossiping, right? I didn't kill anybody today. Just seeing if you're awake, second service. <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't do that one thing today, but often we don't think, man, like, I'm on, I'm on a community this season. That is so wrong. Like God has called me to be in relationships with other believers where they know me and I know them and I can, I can sharpen their faith. They can sharpen my faith. We often don't wake up and say like, gosh, like I am not obeying God by being in community today. And I think a lot of us, myself included, there's a lot of reasons for that. One is, man, like we've got to fight busyness all the time scheduling. I mean, man, we thought with the pandemic and us being at home that we work less. Stats have shown that we work even more than we did before the pandemic. Work is everywhere. And so I'm not saying to quit everything and just, man, be in community. That'd be weird. I'm not saying that, okay? I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, though, is that we've often replaced 
community with our own agenda, our own things that we need to do at the expense of being in Christ-centered relationships. Some of us, if we're being honest, we don't feel like we need it. Like, I'm good, right? Like, I got me, myself, and I. I got the me trinity going on. Like, we are good. But scripture makes it so clear that, man, two is better than one. If you fall, you got somebody there for you. But we often don't talk about, but what if someone else falls in your life? Are you going to be there for them? You can only be there for them if you're in authentic community with one another. And so two is better than one, right? A quarter three is not easily broken. Some of us were not in community because we've just been jaded by community. People have hurt us. Can I say, we get that. We understand that. And so it's not wrong that, that you're hurting, but we just don't want you staying in your hurt. God wants to heal you from your hurt. But, here, but, here's, but here's the tension of relationships, is that if you've been hurt in a relationship, you can only be healed through a relationship. Just think about the cross, right? What did God come to restore? Yes, sin or lies, but what was that sin doing? Destroying our relationship with him. And so some of us, man, it's like, I just, I've given up on community because people have hurt me. Don't give up on community. There, there are people you can trust. And so there are people that you can't just pour out your heart to. I think, another, I think another reason why we're not in community, we just undervalue it completely now. Uh, I think Pastor John said this last week that Gal came up with a poll last, um, th- th- this last season that 40%, it's under 40% of people that are attending church and that are members now. It's the lowest it's ever been in the United States, under 40%. What that's really saying is, is there is an undervalue of the brothers and sisters of Christ coming together. There's something beautiful. And I'm not just saying in person. I'm saying in person, online. But there is a fellowship that happens that we see in the book of Acts. They met, they met in the temple, but then they went house to house. That is an integral part. So we got to figure this out in some capacity. Now, before we talk about community, um, I had this thought this week. What really is different about biblical community than just community? Because this idea of community isn't just a Christian idea, right? I mean, I mean, if you've ever been to a CrossFit, um, I've heard of CrossFit. <laughs> CrossFit's a theory to me, okay? I've seen great videos. I have some people here that CrossFit. I'm like, man, God bless you. I'm, I hope it's going great. The thing with CrossFit, though, is, man, you are on mission with one another. Most people, they'll tell you, if they're a part of a CrossFit, it's not necessarily because of the workouts, but the community that's being born there. You are hitting goals and targets, right? You think you're going to, no, you're not, you're not giving up. Keep going, right? There is a community there, which I celebrate. It's beautiful, right? But it's got me thinking, is just biblical community friendships? Because some of us say, hey, some of my best friends don't even go to church. And that's okay. I'm just started thinking that what really makes a biblical community? Is there really a difference? The answer is yes. Let's look at Acts chapter 4, verse 23, where it says this. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. You know, real quick. Yes, we, we, we devote ourselves to the apostles' teachings. We love teachings, right? We, we, we devote ourselves to fellowship. We devote ourselves to, to sharing in meals. Man, I, I over-devoted myself in 2020 to that. Uh, that is a well-worn discipline in my life. Um, <laughs> the believers devoted themselves to prayer, right? Some of us get that. But what does it mean to be devoted to fellowship? 
that we're devoted, there is a perseverance. There is this relentless pursuit. Pretty much what that word means is, is that this isn't convenience. This is a conviction. I will make this work. And so when we look at the early church, they had a perseverance, a conviction of being devoted to the teaching, to fellowship, to meals, and to prayer. So uh, continue, please. Verse 43. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And uh, continue. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. I love this picture that what was the result of the apostles and, and the believers being devoted to prayer, to teaching, to fellowship, and, and the sharing of meals? What was the result? Man, there was, there was revival happening. People were coming. People were being saved. And I love that phrase that nobody went without their needs being taken care of. Time, talent. I'm not just talking about money, but there was such a sense of ownership that we are in this together that for them, their true fellowship wasn't just friendship. I'm sorry, true fellowship wasn't just friendships, but it was formation. But God was forming something spiritually in them that they couldn't get on themselves. Where it's like, man, even in their own time of prayer and, and praying and asking for a personal revival, even like listening to their favorite preacher, they couldn't get this without fellowship. True biblical community. So what I want to suggest today as we talk about this, I, I don't have much time, but as we talk about this, is that true fellowship it's not just going to give you friendships. Praise God for friends. We need friends. That's scriptural. But friendships that form our lives, that we are forming one another spiritually. So here's the question I want to pose with us today, okay? Is that do we really see fellowship as a spiritual discipline? And, 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 and is today the day that we adopt it, that we embrace it, that we don't just try it out when it works well and when it's a preference, right? And I'm gonna talk later about myself where I'm a self-admitted, self-reliant, like I got this type of guy. So me just talking about community, being part of community, that's a miracle in itself. So I'll get to my sins later, okay? Just give, give, me, give me about 15 minutes, okay? But do we see fellowship, true fellowship as a spiritual discipline? So what I wanna do right now is I, I wanna give us a theological a basic theological understanding of what it means for, for fellowship. And I'm just so grateful for, for I was just thinking about this the other day about God's word, is that God's word is the highest authority in our lives. And, and if we don't submit ourselves to God's authority, there's, there's an agenda right now that we can't trust authority nowadays and that we have to become our own authority. The only problem I see with that well, there's a lot of problems, but the main problem I see with that is that if you become your own authority, then you've got to become your own judge. And if you become your own judge, no one keeps their own rules, even the rules that you put onto yourself. And so what happens when you're your own authority, you're your own judge, you break your own rules, what do you do then? You can ignore it. <laughs> it's still there, right? I'm so grateful that I am thankfully and joyfully under the authority of Scripture because that just testifies how good God is. That's another message, but I had to say that, okay. So 
here is a theological um, understanding of, uh, of fellowship, okay? So the Greek word for fellowship, okay, you guys ready? You guys are going to start really smart now to your other friends, all right? The, the word is koinonia. Turn near and say koinonia. Koinonia. <laughs> like, I know Greek. I didn't say how much, but I know my Greek, right? Koinonia is so beautiful, right? It means what, 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 what's in common with one another. What's intimate. So it's not just that, man, there is a commonality to it, but there is a shared expression of intimacy. You just saw my wife a second ago, right? Blonde hair, blue eyes. There is a common um, knowledge of her, but then there is a intimate knowledge that only I know things about her that no one else does. So koinonia has that personal knowledge to it. There's also a participation, a sharing. There is a contribution to it. And so true fellowship isn't just receiving, but there is a giving, a contributing, that I have something to offer and to give, and I willfully and joyfully give it. And so what I want to break down really quickly is we have koinonia with the Father. We have koinonia um, through the gospel and giving, and we also have koinonia with one another, okay? So 1 Corinthians says this, chapter 1, verse 9. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into koinonia, partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we don't want to miss this, right? That our, our basis for true community, biblical community, isn't just horizontally, but it's vertically, that our koinonia, God has called us, and I love what Pastor Jackie was uh, prophesying earlier, that God wants to be close to us. He wants us to be near. It might feel so far and distant, but God has called us into true koinonia and intimacy with the Father. How beautiful is that? And then Paul actually continues this, where he says in Philippians chapter 3, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. I want to koinonia in his death. What does that mean? What Paul's saying is, I want to know Christ so much that I've disposed of the things of the world, the things that used to matter to me, the things that used to define me. Those things don't matter to me anymore. What I want is I want to know Jesus. But how do I know Jesus? I know him through the mighty power that raised him from the dead, but I also want to know him in his sufferings. It's, it's in our worst and hardest moments that if we turn our hearts to the Father, there is a koinonia that we can experience with God. There, 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 there is a intimacy that we can know God. Um, Tiana, she's one of our high, she's actually sitting up front right here. Um, could give up for Tiana. She shared her story. You know, we, we, we do our students, um, small groups, middle school, even our students and our kids are in small groups because we believe in it that much. She shared her story this last week. And this one thing she said is that God will give purpose to your trials. And this is what Paul was saying. I want, I, mean, I want my pain. I want my suffering. Is that I want to experience that through Jesus. So beautiful. So that's koinia with the Father. But now there's koinia through the gospel, right? Paul says this again in Philippians. Every time I think of you, <laughs> that could go a lot of ways, couldn't it? Um, <laughs> I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my koinonia 
my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you have first heard about it now. So Paul is just so grateful, so thankful that, man, I have people that not only that I, I relate to, but I have partners that share my joy in the gospel, that, 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 that want to get it out there, that we are on mission together. And people will tell you, if, if, if you ever served in war with somebody else, that there is a bonding that happens that can't be replaced. Why? Because we're in this. We're rubbing shoulders together. We're rubbing hearts together. Why? Because we are on mission with the gospel. And again, like we don't have time for this part, but then Paul continues to thank the Philippians for their gifts, for their financial contribution. Why? Because he's, they're helping to move the mission and the kingdom of God forward. And so I love what theologian John Stott said is that um, th- there's two expressions of koinonia. For one, we receive koinonia from the Father, where there is a grace, there is a love, there is a mercy that we get to share with him. But second, there is a koinonia that we get to express now towards one another. That there is a grace that God has given me. It's so good, the mercy, the giftings of God. But God's like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't stop with you. It, 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 it's supposed to continue. So there's a coin that goes with you, but it's meant to give to one another. And again, Paul says it again in Philippians chapter two. If you want some coin, yeah, read some Philippians, all right? Chapter two says this. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Paul's making a point. All these are yes and amen then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together one mind and one purpose. Because of coining with the Father, because of coining with the gospel, there should be a koinonia with one another. If we truly believe this, practicing koinonia is one of the most countercultural things we can do. Because right now, we are not about koinonia. We are about canceling one another. We are about, man, living our lives in our own bubbles and circles and consuming and consuming. Paul's like, no, no, no. That's not how the church should function. That is not the heart of uh, of Jesus. Man, I've received koinonia, but now I'm going to give it out. I'm going to keep giving and giving. Why? Because I never deserved it myself. So I'm going to keep giving it out to other people as well. And then, and again, if you're not convinced yet, I'm going to give you one more point about this, where Paul can say, hey, in light of this, don't be selfish. Don't think too highly of yourself. Be humble. Think of others more than you think of yourself. But here's why. He gives the example of Jesus. He's like, have the same attitude that Christ does. Next verse. Though he was God, Jesus did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. I never saw this before. Like, this is such beautiful Christology where we're learning about the nature of who Jesus is. But this is all in the context of relationships. Or, wait, wait, wait. When you think about your brother, when you think about your sister, think about Jesus. That God, fully God, fully man, having everything. Talk about, I mean, he doesn't even need to consume. He is everything. He has everything. There's nothing to consume. He's like, I don't consider it something to hang on to. 
I don't, I don't consider it something, man, I'm secure. And, and he's so secure, he humbled himself in obedience to the Father. I wonder if that revelation, how much that would transform how we relate to one another. Our mind instantly goes to, oh, I got to make more time. I got I to gotta add this person in my life. What if we just allowed the gospel to transform our hearts? God will give us the how. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out the how, but we already have the big why from Jesus, the gospel. And so what if we leaned in and allowed God to touch our hearts where, man, he, he let it go. That's so good. Jesus is, is incredible. And so if you take a note, you can jot this down, is that the gospel is best reflected in our relationships. If you want to assess your understanding of the gospel, look at your relationships. How much of this is going on? How much of the letting go? I'm not saying be a pushover. I'm not saying just, just be walked on. But how many of us are, are, are dying to ourselves in the context of serving our brothers and serving our sisters? That is true koinonia in that passage. So I, I want to share just a little bit about uh, me and Laura and our marriage. And man, for those that are married, you know, man, you're going to marriage. It's going to be great and perfect. You're perfect, right? You're perfect. I'm perfect, right? It's going to all be perfect. But then, but then, but then you move in together. <sighs> I'm not perfect, guys. I'm far from it. And I remember it was early on in the marriage, right, where it's like, gosh, I need to speak up more. I need to like, man, there's some things that bother me. Man, there's some things where not even bother me, but it's like, man, I, I want to I shape you. I want to grow you. I want to I lead you strong. I want God's best for you. But there was such a passivity in me that where it's like, I just, I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get there. And I remember the Lord just like, and it, and it wasn't just a one-time thing. It was a constant work of sanctification and God growing me. Remember one particular moment in prayer where God's like, do you really love your wife? And one of those questions were like, well, yeah, of course I do, Jesus. Like, I love my wife. He's like, no, no, do you truly love your wife? And I'm like, yes, I love my, my first I'm like, am I missing something? And no, no, if you loved your wife, you would speak into those hard places. If you truly loved your wife, you would shape her and mold her. But you're, you're not loving her in those moments. You're actually protecting yourself. And I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be that way. I'm like, I had a limp and I didn't, I, I didn't even realize it where I really thought it was, it was her, but it was really me that, that had the limp in, in, in that moment. And so I think the reason why I use that example is because I think often when we think about community, we think about the things that we need to be doing better. We often don't think about the things that we should just be doing that are just, that are so good and so scriptural. And so when we really understand fellowship, it will disrupt our preferences and it will deepen our growth. I'll, I'll give you some examples. You see scripturally, and, and, and this is just a small picture of it. Romans 12, 10 uh, tells us to be devoted to one another, to honor one another, to live in harmony with one another accept one another, even if they don't have the same views as you, even if they don't agree with you, accept one another, serve one another in love, compassionate, admonish one another. A lot of times we think accept and admonish are like two different realities. I can admonish you and still accept you, right? And just because I admonish you doesn't mean I don't accept you. Those realities don't have to be one or the other. 
I can encourage you. I can spur you on in good deeds. These are the realities of what it means to be in true koinonia. And so you like how Jesus never said, like, hey, you're an introvert, so don't be in community. He didn't say that. Why you pick on the introverts? I'm the biggest one here. So I'm picking on myself right now. Is that, man, this is something where God hasn't just called this person or that person. No, no. He's called believers to devote themselves to prayer, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to the apostles' teaching to do this. This is the picture that God gives us of what our relationships should look like with one another. God doesn't want us to settle for just high fives. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Okay, praise God. Cool. No, no. This is what he wants in our lives. So what does this look like? Like, how do we, like, practice this on Monday? And I want to give us one more passage that I think that will really flesh this out, okay? First John tells us this in chapter 1, that this is the message we have heard from Jesus, and now declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. Continue, please. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Man, the... I never saw this passage in this context because it's pretty self-explanatory, right? Man, if we say we're walking the light, but we're actually in darkness, we're lying to God and we're lying to ourselves. But if we confess our sins, if we, if we come out of the darkness, we will have fellowship with God, but also with one another. In the context of koinonia, God wants us to have relationships that we're so close with that when we know our brothers and sisters are in the darkness, we know when we're in the light, we can rejoice with them, but we also can come alongside of them. Those are the relationships that God desires in our lives. So how do we, how do we get there, right? You might be like, I'm not sure, man, I... I am in community, but, I'm, but, but I don't feel like I'm growing. I want to give us three words I think that will be a catapult for you, okay? The first one's this, is decision. I know it's obvious, but we got a decision to make to actually put ourselves in community. Like, we are in community because the Father has placed us in community, in the church. But there needs to be a decision that we make that we actually step into community, Speaking of CrossFit, speaking of the gym, right? I mean, it's funny. Like, before my ankle um, was fractured, um, I waited, like, three months for my gym to open up. Like, I was like, I, I, got, I got it. I got to work out right. Like, COVID's getting the best of me. Like, I got to do something, you know? And then immediately right when it opened, I'm like, you know what? I'll go tomorrow. <laughs> you know what? Scratch it. Scratch it. I, I feel great. I feel great. A week goes by, two weeks, and then what happens? What was supposed to be a conviction was really just like convenience for me. And so make a decision today, no matter what you feel, no matter what you're feeling or thinking, right? Just trust Jesus with the yes. So decision two is permission, is that once we step into that community space, there's got to be a permission that we give to other people, right? Um, I want to be able to encourage you because... You want me to encourage you. I want to be able to sharpen you and exhort you because you want me to. And I want you to do those things for me, but I got to give you, I have to give you permission for that. And James 5, 16 says this, is that when we confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that we, we, we may be healed, 
The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. God has wired us to share our lives with one another. And, there's, and, and there is a promise that when we do that, healing happens, growth happens, God's presence happens. Why? Because we're sharing our lives with one another. And so maybe, maybe you're around a lot of people, but you're not really doing life with anybody. Maybe you're in a room like this. And can I just say, I know for some of us, we're in different walks of our faith. And so maybe you're not even a Christ follower. Just you being here this morning is huge. I want to celebrate that. That's big. So we're honored that, we're honored that you're our guest. And this point, I'm talking more so to, to Christ followers of Jesus. You know you're saved. You know you're in God's house, right? It, it, it's, it's time to jump in. Take the, take the seat, uh, seat buckle off and just, just go right in there. Why? Because, man, life is better in community. And then lastly, this is the part I'm passionate about. It's contribution. Decision, permission. But then there's a contribution. I've decided I'm um, being open. But how many of you know community is, just, is not just me just kind of getting my stuff out? But I want to bring something to the table, right? And I think sometimes we think just because I'm not the leader, it means I don't have something to offer. That is a lie. Don't, don't make me go back to all those passages, okay? Where it's like, encourage, admonish, accept, live in harmony. You have something to give to the body of Christ. You have something to give. You have something to spiritually contribute. If you got saved yesterday, you have something to share in your small group this week. If yesterday was the first day you closed your eyes and said yes to Jesus, and that's all you said, you have a testimony. And so you have something to offer. Don't let the enemy steal, kill, and destroy. And it's, it's so clear in Scripture where it says that, you know, how do they overcome? They overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by, by, by the word of their testimony. Man, get free, but help others get free too with, with your testimony. I want to show this one last story, okay? Um, my, my, my dear friend, Ryan, uh, he's actually one of our small group leaders. Um, this was, I think, I want to say a couple years ago. Um, he's been running for a while. Um, this is like my first like, official run, right? It, it, it was a 10K. We were preparing for, for a half marathon. And so we, we had it run together before. And so I'm like, all right, all right man, let, let, let's do this, right? So we start running after the first mile. Guys, I've trained for like a 9.30 mile. This guy's like, I'm cool. He was, at, he was at 8.30. So he's like, you good, Chris? And you know, just being a fully transparent, honest person, I was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Struggle bus, struggling. You know what? We finished that 10K. I was ever more tired and exhausted, but so pumped up because I hit that time way faster than I ever would have. So a lot of times when we think about that, man, I need someone to run along with. Yeah, yeah, you do. But you need to find people that you can run along with as well. Like, Because even an example, we don't just want to consume, but we want to contribute. Ryan contributed my life just by doing life with me. And so let's contribute biblically because God wants us to grow, grow in him, but also to do life with people. So don't, don't, settle for, for, don't settle for the limp any longer. The limp of shame, the limp of guilt, the limp of emptiness. God wants to heal you, and he does that through relationships. So make a decision. 
give people permission in your life and then start to contribute. God didn't, God didn't just save you for you to sit on the sidelines. He wants you to contribute and to give. And life is better lived when we make it about other people because God, God wants to bless that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much, God, for your mercy and your grace in my life, God, for the people that are watching online in person. God, thank you for the koinonia that we have. Maybe you're in this place online in person. There's not a bigger limp than, than, than our sin that keeps us bound and stuck. And I'm just so grateful that Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He came for the limping. He came for those that needed a savior. So if you're in this room this morning, if you're online and you're saying, I don't want to limp anymore. I want to, I, I, I need to repent of my sins. I need to receive the grace of God. And the father wants to welcome you home today. If that's you today, I just want you just to raise your hand and I want to agree with you that God would bring you back home this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this house. I am grateful. I'm amazed. I am just so thankful, God, for the lives that are being touched. God, I pray that, God, that we would leave out of your God with a renewed conviction for koinonia. God, that you called us to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to prayer, and to the breaking of bread and of meals. God, help that to become more of a reality in our lives because, Lord, we need you, but we also need one another, God. That's how you've wired us. So, God, help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Can we give God some glory right now, church? Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.